Welcome to the Two Indie Authors Podcast with me, David B. Lyons. And me, Robert Enright. And this week, we are going to be discussing a key part of the publishing process, and that is your blurb. Uh, we'll be talking about what they are, what a successful blurb should look should look like, and uh, how to achieve that, and how we go about creating our own. We'll also be delving into our mailbag for another juicy question from one of our listeners. And the tremendous Catherine Yeffe will be joining for our seven questions. But before that, David, true to form, as we do each week, how's your week been? It's been all right. Um, a little personal dramas. I've, I, I think I was complaining on last week's show that we've um, illnesses all around the house. And then I had to be called back to... Dublin um, for what seemed like an emergency, which didn't turn into an emergency. So I'm actually recording this podcast in the bedroom that I grew up with when I was a teenager. <laughs> um, I don't have all my fancy gear with me. I hope I sound okay. But um, it, what looked like a dramatic week has turned into a bit of a non-dramatic week. That's good. Uh, and that's just on a personal level. But tomorrow, as we record this, my next book comes out. So I've any bit of work that I have been doing in between the family drama um, has been just, what would I say, Rob? I guess I've just been setting up the launch in terms of, and I guess I'm old school at this now because this is the 10th book I've launched. Um, so all my automated emails to let my readers know that my book is coming out and my Facebook posts and my social media posts to sort of start to launch. They're all done. So it's just a matter of hitting a button tomorrow and, and, and letting, you know, the world know that um, the murders that killed America is out there. So it's, although I've had a bit of family drama and I've been stuck in airports and, and trying to get home, um, everything is set up and has yeah. been set up. So I don't really have much to do. It didn't, the, the, the bit of family shenanigans didn't get in the way of the launch in a sense. So it's just a matter of waking up tomorrow, hitting a few buttons and um, the book is out there. Fantastic. Um, I know, well, it won't shock our, our listeners to know that you and I, you know, we talk personally about stuff. I know from before we started this podcast, like how, not how difficult, but I think how, like, involved you've been in writing these books like mentally like i think these ones have been like all consuming to you and i know i remember when you told me what the ideas were and you told me the third one which is obviously the one that's coming out well it will be out by the time this podcast's out um i remember you told me the idea for that and i was like that is a huge undertaking because it's, it's almost not to give it away, I think you've mentioned before it's set a bit in the future, so you're you're sort of doing some predictive work as well. Yes. Um, so yeah. So the three books are um, one is America Past. The first book is America Past. It's set in 1997. The second book is set in the present day, and then the third book, which comes out or is just out now, uh, is set in the future. So I've had to, and it's all about media and news, which is my sort of specialist subject in a sense mm. it's what i studied and worked in for so long um that when i was doing the third book 
about America's future, I had to sort of predict what the world would be like 25 years from now. And it's more about what media will be like. So it's all technology has consumed humanity. You know, it's about to overtake. We're, we're lost inside social media. And and it's every character in it is sort of depressed by this social media oppression and right. technology. And so in the summer, I was telling you, as you said, we speak personally, I felt so down in the summer. It's the first time mental health has sort of crept up on me and sort mm. of overtaking me and and it i mean there's a couple of reasons for it one uh, I, as i explained on the on the podcast before i was feeling a little bit insular being a, a full-time author and, and and this hence the these collaborations such as this wonderful podcast that i do with you um but because all the characters are in this sort of depressed futuristic owned and, and controlled by technology i was starting to get a little bit sort of down in myself so it was it was a right. weird one but there's a big shining light through the book that all the readers will hope will sort of come to fruition and um and that's what that one's about so it's it's, it's a dark dystopian look at the future and it did sort of affect me i think but um it's that's my reader's problem now. It's going to affect them because <laughs> <laughs> the book is out. So. <laughs> not my problem anymore. Not my problem uh, anymore. Yes. Yes. My next books will be a romance trilogy, I think. <laughs> um, are you excited? Are you excited for the launch? I am excited for the launch. Yeah, there's a lot of um, my followers reaching out to me saying how excited they are for it, but it's. It's not a standalone novel, which my novels normally are. It sort of follows on. It's part of a mini series, a trilogy. So I can't just advertise it as go buy this book now. Because yeah. people would have to have bought book one to get to book three. So um, it doesn't have that level of excitement about it. Whereas I can just push a book out to anywhere in the world and go buy this. Mm. But no, I'm looking forward. And I'm looking forward to seeing how, how my readers react to it. Hmm. Um, so yeah it's been it's been a bit an odd week a launch and some uh, personal dramas but what have you been up to me uh, well last week as you know well you definitely know David and probably some of our, our listeners probably picked up on it we had some technical issues last week um, during the podcast and by technical issues I kept getting kicked out of our <laughs> so uh, out of the, yeah. the the platform while we was um, in the middle of of our discussions, which really was so annoying. So again, I'd probably like to extend my uh, my thanks to uh, Lee Beddo and uh, Jilly Grundy, who writes as Carrie uh, McGillan, um, for their patience on it all. They they were tremendous guests, and they were really understanding. Um, you know, we like to you know give off the impression that we're a relatively professional uh, duo um, and there's nothing yeah. worse than technology failing you as you probably know david having written a trilogy about technology about um, this gig, yeah so so the back end of last week was cobbling together that episode <laughs> yes robert does all the post-production so the editing of um the podcast so you did a great great job putting that podcast together because we crashed whilst recording about five or six different times didn't we mm, just yeah, went down was, the platform sunk it was painful but again uh, everyone was really in quite high spirits i think everyone saw the funny side except me i didn't see the funny yes. side of it because i knew every time it crashed i just saw my my job growing and growing and growing <laughs> and like oh yes. this is going to take up all of the rest of my week um <laughs> so there was that um but then this week, I've I've just been writing this week. It's been quite nice. Um, obviously, I've I've got about seven chapters left to write for 
the the latest book, which I'm so far ahead on schedule. Yeah. Um, so I put a deadline in with my editor uh, for next the end of next week. Oh wow, that's that's huge, man. That's that's fine. So that's in about six weeks. You've written a novel. Well, I did it all in NaNoWriMo, didn't I? So yeah, essentially, I I did fifty two thousand words or something in NaNoWriMo, and my books are average around. 75 to eighty thousand words so yeah um so yeah she's speaking about because it's near the end of christmas she's got some availability she might be able to do a quicker turnaround on it so there's a there's actually a chance i might be able to launch it end of january like that's that's mental to me that's incredible that's yeah it's mental to me and it's It's also like, am, am I setting myself a dangerous precedent? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I yeah, can't yeah. operate at this level nonstop. So, um, so I'm probably going to do that, and then I'm going to I'm going to finish that next week. That's the main priority next week, and then right. I'm, I'm probably gonna, I'm going to take a little break. I'm not going to start the new one till you know New Year. I'll, I'll I've got an idea yeah. for it, but I'll, I won't start fleshing it out until New Year. So I'll probably take a little bit of time off from writing and just pick up any admin and stuff I need to do. And just excitingly for our listeners, I need to finish off a nice little gift I've been oh, preparing for them. Yes, I've te- yes. I've dropped a teaser for it before. Um, yeah. That will be ready next week. So um, I'll be nice. working on that as well. So, yeah. Wow, that's a fair play to you, Rob. Wow, you you, you really have taken full-time authoring to, uh, to a proper good level. I am... Um, would advise you for a break so i've written 10 books now since 2018 non-stop i hadn't stopped so hence my um break that i'm going to take over the next uh, at the start of next year maybe up to six months but definitely three or four months break anyway from not writing another i'll still write and create mm. but um i'm just going to take some time out from before i start my next trilogy but that that's incredible um, a book in six weeks ready to launch hopefully towards the end of January fair play to you Robert that's amazing yeah fingers crossed fingers crossed to so today Robert our main talking mm. point is going to be about blurbs or um, descriptions, I think, as they're known in some quarters. Now, a blurb or a description is famously the sort of passage of maybe three or four paragraphs at the back of a book which describes what the book is going to be about. In, in, in modern terms, it is the description of your book on your sales page, your Amazon page. And a blurb, whilst it probably wouldn't sound... Uh, too important it, it actually is vital it's one of the key sales pitches that we have mm. as authors yeah i, I would 100 percent agree with that um i do think there's there's a pressure around blurbs that i see a lot and that's that's why we picked this as the topic for this week um yeah uh, you know as as i'm known to do i trawl through facebook i see posts in the writing community and if they cause a reaction within i think it's worth talking about um yes and the reason i i thought blurbs would be a really good one for us to discuss <clears throat> is um i don't think a, a couple of days every couple of days you'll see a post if you're in the, and i think a lot of our listeners and you and i all swim in the similar facebook group world yeah um there's always someone saying please check my blurb mm-hmm. i'm struggling with my blurb is this blurb good 
blah 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 blah. Yeah, so it's like, well, obviously it's 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 on there. So so f- I just think it is a key component. It's not the key component of of your books, um, but I just thought it'd be a good one to discuss. So Absolutely. like you said, like you said, Ben, it's 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 your sort of description. I, I I look at it more as I don't look at it as a description of my book. I kind of see it more as a sales pitch. Sales tool, yeah, or sales pitch. I say, yeah. it, it is my say. I, I don't. It's not my elevator pitch, which is like, oh, you've got ten seconds to tell me what it's about. Because if yeah. I had to elevate a pitch, Sam Pope, I'd say, oh, it's Jack Reacher meets The Punisher, except yeah. he's a uh, he 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 targets criminals instead of stumbles upon them. That's my elevator pitch. That's your elevator pitch. Two or three sentences, yeah, which yeah. sum everything easier than your blurb. And I think. Robert, I know you get angry when people are asking questions. Um, but I don't I get think... angry. <laughs> <laughs> Furious. <laughs> I think I think the legitimacy around why authors find it difficult to write their description slash blurb is because we have written this 80,000 word, say, novel, Mm-hmm. which uh, incorporates our whole story and then suddenly you know we've taken three or four months or whatever it is to, to write this eighty thousand words and then suddenly in order to sell it we have to sum all those eighty thousand words up in about 150 words to help sell the book so i can see why authors struggle with it am i right in saying that though is that accurate am i about 150 words that's the sort of average we're looking for for a blurb um i think so i i think a bit more maybe i think has I think as succinct as you can make a blurb, the better. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I I think you should aim for less words than more words. Obviously, more than just Sam Pope is back. That's yeah. yeah, That that won't fly as a as a blurb. But yeah, um, I do believe like it. It shouldn't be a synopsis. Like it's not like your blurb isn't a synopsis. Yeah. Um. At all. So, I mean, I, I personally, I don't struggle with writing a blurb. Right. So um, I think that's probably why I was, when I see all the posts all the time, I don't get furious, as you t- said that I do. I just think it's it's an interesting topic to talk about. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't think this is a topic you get furious about. Um, but it is one that pops up. You, you, as you say, in the groups, we will see this one every fortnight anyway, or probably even every week, there's somebody asking for advice on their blurb. Hmm. So if somebody was asking for advice on a blurb, what what, what would you say to them? What, 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 what does a blurb need to incorporate, Robert, do you think? So I think, um, so the way I look at it with the, my Sam Pope books is I look at it as I need to have just a quick overlay of sort of who Sam's going to be going up against. Yeah. So there's usually like an introduction potentially to like a main bad guy. Like a so there's villain. an antagonist in all your books, obviously. So that that's the new character that has to be introduced to your readers. Yeah. So, so I don't need to introduce Sam Pope into a blurb because people are going to know who the character of Sam Pope is if they're looking at... Yeah. A book in the series the first book i had to introduce him so i introduced who he was in a couple of quick sentences without giving away too much i think that's really key is i think that's when i said earlier it's not a synopsis it's yeah. it's a sales pitch you don't need to give away i read a blurb the other day from a very successful author um 
And I couldn't believe how much was given away in the blurb. Oh, okay. Interesting. Like, to, um, to the point it was like, it was giving away major plot points in the blurb. Like, oh, and when this happens, the character's oh. then forced to do this. And I was like, that's like, that's a major part of the book, clearly. Like, why would you? So I think it's, I, I, I think you need to stay away from doing that. 100%. Yeah, you don't want to reveal plot, really. You want to tease plot, don't you? Yeah. So in my mind, it should be, and you shouldn't be introducing every single character. So like, I wouldn't say, oh, and then when Sam meets this character, his life is turned upside down. It's just like, who are the main players here? Like, who's your protagonist? Who's your antagonist? What's the struggle? So these are all like really basic points of um, like writing a story. And then just it needs to just be a very quick snapshot of it. Yeah. So it's almost like I look at it as like I either start with this is where Sam's at now. Here comes a villain. And then like almost like a promise that their worlds are going to collide at some point in this book. Yeah. And that's it. That's literally what I do. I just think that's like, bam, this is what you're going to get. Yeah, it's a winning formula for you anyway. It's proven to work for you. So what you're essentially saying to our listeners here is you're not telling your story in your blurb. No. You are setting up your story. 100%. Yeah, that's what you're doing. You, you, what you really want to do with your blurb slash description is you want a potential reader to read it and then want to open that book. Yeah, and, 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 and like what, what we've, we've spoken about on previous um, podcasts is like, you need to take people to your book through marketing. Yeah. And this is where you said it's a key part of the process. I think it's the final part of the process where, so you've done your marketing. Well, mm-hmm. actually, first off, you've written a book. You've had it all sorted professionally. You've now got a very good, very well edited, very complete product. Yeah. Horrible to use the word product, but that's what it is. Like you've got it there. You've then successfully marketed that. And part of your marketing will probably be around the cover or yes. to some description. So you've already got enough interest through that to bring someone to your sales page. Yeah. That's when bam, your blurb needs to just say, this is what you're going to get. Yeah. It's the final sales pitch, isn't it really? Yeah. That's essentially it. That's why I look at it as a sales pitch. It's just, this is what you're going to get. If you, if you buy this book, this is what I promise you. Yeah. Is, is, is essentially it. Um, so if you permit me, this is a very, very quickly how um sorry, I'm just waiting for this to, to sort out. We do love Amazon um because it gives us a career, but at times it can be a pain. Um Oh yes. While we're talking about a blurb, it's not allowing me to do it. What you are you gonna give our listeners an example? I was gonna give you an example of of a blurb yeah. I've done. I've got it now. So, yeah. um, okay. well, our listeners will love this. Okay, so give us an example of a blurb that has proven to have worked for you. So, so this blurb, this is for the eighth book in my Sam Pope series. Um, so not the one I've just released, the one before. This is for The Kingdom. And I, the reason I picked this one is I actually think this is probably the best blurb I've written. Okay, it's, great. It's, it's a small paragraph, one line, a small paragraph, and one line. Brilliant. So one tip I always have is I always have in bold. I always have like a headline, almost like a like a yeah. like you would like you would on a movie poster. 
you know, like you'll have something like says like justice is coming or something like that for Batman or whatever. Yeah. So I always have one. So I, I base a lot of my Mine, marketing yeah. around Sam Pope about him join the fight. That's what he's doing. He's fighting back. That's the whole thing. So a lot of them are based yeah. on that. So the headline for this blurb is the fight goes on. Great. So the this is I'll just go through my blurb. Yeah, read okay. it out first. Okay. So it goes after stepping back into his war on organized crime, Sam Pope travels to East Anglia. Following the path of an illegal firearm, Sam sets his sights on the person flooding the streets with guns and drugs, Slavin Kovac. A ruthless ex-mercenary with a brutal stranglehold on the weapons trade, Kovac is on the cusp of removing his benefactor and ascending to the throne as one of the most powerful criminals in the UK. As he and Sam prepare to go to war, an undercover police officer finds himself on the front line and in a desperate situation. As the tension rises, along with the body count, all three men end up on a collision course that can only end in one way. Brilliant. That's it. Yes. At no point have I mentioned uh, any of the twists. The, the only There's only yeah. two characters mentioned there, which is Sam and the villain. Yeah. There's hints in there that there's an undercover police officer that's going to play a part in it, that they're all going to collide in some way. We don't know how. I haven't written in there. Oh, and when this happens, this is where Sam meets the police. I haven't done any of that. And all I've promised is that the tension will ramp up and that there's going to be a body count. Yeah. So essentially what you're doing really, and this is key in a blurb slash description, is you are evoking questions within the reader's mind. And if you're evoking a question, if a reader is going, but what's going to happen here? Or what's going to happen? Or what's this? If you're giving them questions, they're going to want to open the book. Yeah. And that, that's, it's, it's probably a bit easier for me because, you know, mine's in the series. Yeah. So and people, people are already invested and aware of your character and your style. Yes. Um, but I think that's still, like, like I said, it's a really... Yeah, that's that's what you want to do. You want you don't want to tell people. You want people to think about, oh, what am I going to be getting if I open up this book? Yeah. Not, oh, this is what I'm going to be getting. Like it, it needs to be as vague as that. Like so, when when you do your blurbs, David, like how do how do you approach it? Because I've obviously got this very like bam, bam, bam. Like what's yeah. what, what's your thought process? I, I think my thought process is the sort of tip I gave there is that you really want to have the potential reader. <laughs> ask questions and mm-hmm. um, i do find the blurbs difficult in that for me normally my twist ending reveals what the book is actually about right and i obviously don't want to give that away in a blurb and um, so it, it can be quite difficult but I, i'll read one out for our listeners only because i mean i don't think this is my best book and I don't think this is my best blurb. That's me personally thinking that. But it obviously has proven to be my best book and proven to me my best blurb because it sold nearly 100,000 copies. Right. And it's the one that when when people are led to this sales page for a book that I have, I think it was the third book I wrote. It's called Whatever Happens to Betsy Blake. It's um, it, it tends to close people. This blurb tends to win people over and, and have them... Uh, buy the book so i mean whatever happened to betsy blake is a good title i would say because it's already a question it's already asking a question and so there's already intrigue there yeah 
So it's whatever happened to Betsy Blake. And then it has a picture of a girl, a, a girl about five or six years of age, um, hugging a teddy bear. That's the the uh, cover. And then the blurb reads, Betsy Blake was only four years old when she vanished outside her family home in Dublin. Her father, racked with guilt for the past 17 years, still can't bring himself to admit the search is over, despite the fact that his wife has moved on and the police have closed off the investigation. When he is informed he must undergo major heart surgery that only has a 50% chance of surviving, Gordon Blake hires a local PI to give the investigation one last try. But surely rookie PI Lenny Moon, who has little or no experience in such high-profile investigating, doesn't have what it takes to make a breakthrough in this case before Gordon is put to sleep for what could be the last time. Or does he? The twists and turns just might lead him to Betsy, to where she is now, but the clock is ticking. So you've got <laughs> you've got a question sort of arising within the reader's yeah. mind already. There, why is he being put to sleep? Well, he's only got a certain amount of time to close off this this investigation. Where is Betsy Blake? What has so? There's lots of questions I've evoked within yeah. the reader's mind there that make them go, "Oh, I want I want to open this book." So, so I think but, what's 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 really good about that blurb, and I don't think you're doing yourself credit there when you say it's not it's not your best that's a tremendous blurb is you you've laid out this is the situation this girl's gone missing and she's been missing for 17 years yeah and immediately anyone who reads that book would be devastated by that and then when it's the dad can't let it go everyone be like well of course not like you're evoking that emotion from people straight away saying well yeah i wouldn't have to let it go and then then there's the desperation of his heart surgery that might not go right yeah and then you ask that, that, in there. Yeah. that wonderful question because obviously you, you highlight the fact that the pi is inexperienced um and stuff like that but you're like surely mm-hmm. he can't figure it out yeah or can yeah. he and or then so he. your reader's like well now i need to know <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so i think it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a brilliant example for our listeners it, it definitely works. It's yeah. proven to have worked this blurb, yeah. Um, so I, I would I would implore our listeners to have a look at your Betsy Blake blurb because I think that's a, a brilliant example of setting the scene, introducing the conflict. So he's going to sleep. Yeah. Um, he might not survive. The PI yeah. is inexperienced. And obviously... If the police can't figure it out after 17 years, how can an inexperienced PI? Yeah. And then you've just set up the tagline to draw people in of, can he figure it out? So I think it's yeah. it's worth our listeners having a look at your your blurb page and then just have a look at the, how it ties in with your cover and stuff because I think it's a yeah. sensational way of seeing how the two work in tandem yeah. and why we said it's a key part of of your yeah, your, your whole book process, your your indie yeah. publishing arsenal is your blurb. Yeah, your selling page really, isn't it? And I guess the two big sales tools we have, as you say, they work in tandem, are the cover and the blurb. That's, yeah. They're essentially what's going to sell your book to your potential reader. Yeah, and and, and like to, the atmosphere you conjured up with that um, blurb goes hand in hand with the the cover of like the the distressed child cuddling a bear yeah. it's quite grainy colors isn't it it's quite yeah like the atmosphere there is this is quite 
quite dark. Yeah. It's quite as you say, it plays in tandem. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the the, the blurb I read out for the kingdom, the cover to that has got like a kind of like an explosive greeny yellow color. There's a you know yeah. a muscular man with his back to the you know to to the to the reader holding a gun. Like the name, the kingdom, yeah. like in and big at the top. Ties in. It yeah. looks like a like an action movie poster, and then you read that blurb, and hopefully it kind of gets people going. Yeah, yeah, I'm up for a bit of action. So yeah. it's worth making sure that the two go hand in hand because I don't think yeah. I don't think your blurb would go as well with say like a cover of like a girl smiling, like yes. you know, like, yeah, a cheap cover that blurb wouldn't work. As you say, they play in tandem. The mood of the cover plays into the mood of. <laughs> the blurb itself so yeah. it is key yeah that that's another key tip we should pass on um how do you how do you go about writing so i tend to because i write in scrivener yes as i'm writing the novel over it takes me uh, maybe three to four months to write the novel I'll, I'll i'll have a little section or a little page called blurb right i will sort of jot down notes and and, and things like that to eventually I'll find myself at my 150 or 200 words. So it, 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 my blurbs tend to write themselves as I'm writing the novel rather than I finish the novel and then think, how am I going to sell this? That's another sort of tip I might pass on, but you, you will get more experienced at it the more books you write because at first I was finishing a book and then I had to write the blurb and I just found that a bit more difficult. So one tip would be to sort of maybe bear it in mind as you're going through your novel. Yeah, I think that's a that's a that's a spot on tip. I think, I mean, for me, like I said earlier, um, it's not a boast. It's just I don't I don't tend to struggle writing the blurb. I think it's just because, yeah. like I said, I just look at it and go, okay, well, where's, you know, what's the situation? Who's the bad guy? What's it going to lead to? Um, but I. I don't prepare my blurb until it's like, oh crap! I need to get a paperback cover done. <laughs> Yeah, or, yeah, I know or, what you mean. Yeah. Or, or, oh crap, I need to put the pre order up. I haven't done a blurb <laughs> yet, so yes. I've got to write yeah. one. Um, because, you know, nothing to kick your, your behind into gear than having to do it. Um, yeah. Again, I think, I think the biggest tip I just do is I just, for me, obviously, we write different genres. So your idea is to, to kind of lure people in with a, the promise. Team. Yeah, the promise of being led down one way and the rug pulled from underneath you. That's, that's, yeah, that's yeah, so my yeah. Yeah, I I need to lure people in to you know you're gonna get a a badass hero, you can get some cool action scenes, yeah, and you know hopefully my readers would would back it up. You get a lot of you know good character development and a fair bit of pun, you know punch in it as well. Um, yeah, it so really works. You're right. We do come at it from different angles, but the, the, it's it's equally as important for both of us. Yeah, and I, I, I just think you just need, you need to understand your genre. I think I think yeah. you need you need to understand that. Um, yeah. Well, because... let's let's have a look at this. How can we summarize what what would what would be the key tips you would pass to our listeners when it comes to writing blurbs? So I my my key tip there, my big one there would just be is is understand the genre because you need yeah. to. Everyone wants. I would love everyone in the world to buy my books, right? Yeah. But I have a market that is geared towards people who expect certain things. So I yeah. would make sure my blurb hits those things without giving away the book, because 
there's a reason why you have terms like writing to market and and things like that is because different people like different things so if you understand what your readers like so if you say if it's your first book say if it's your first book and you're writing in the same genre as me you're writing an action thriller hero go and look at the blurbs for lee child look at my blurbs look at the blurbs for mark dawson look at the teases or or how they're written the tone like the the atmosphere they try to create because they're very different to i don't know somebody who's writing a a a nice christmas romance book so i'd say that'd be that'd be the big one i'd say is is you need to you need to understand that before that bit the what the genre promises people before you can write your blurb i think yeah that, that would be my one number one tip is i would read other blurbs of successful authors in the same genre as you. Now, there's no point in reading successful blurbs in other genres. Mm-hmm. It might lead you down uh, the, the wrong path. Uh, as you say, we, I mean, we both write sort of crime novels, but we're in different we're in we're in different fields, aren't we? We're yeah, probably yeah. in the same country in different fields, um, and even that we have to be different. We have to approach our blurbs differently. So. Find somebody who writes in a very similar genre to you. Find out and, and read through their blurbs and get to know the sort of um, the I guess a sentence structure in it. And and rhetorical questions are a key part of blurbs as well. I think in, in in certain genres. So have a look and read those who are similar to you, who you know are selling books, and think right, this is why they're selling. So many books. Take the juice out of there as, as insp- never copy, but mm-hmm. um, for inspiration of how you can sort of structure your blurb. I think another tip I would give, I see this on Amazon a lot, particularly from um, big named publishing companies. Okay. The layout of the blurb mm. can look pretty scatty. Yeah. from uh, in some books so so make sure you're using the tools at the back of uh, amazon or wherever you're selling your books make sure you you you, you lay out your blurb as clearly and concisely as possible like robert said early on he has a headline at the top of his blurbs i do too i, I often have a rhetorical question as my opener for my blurbs and that's in a sort of a bold in your face you know um 12 points or, or 14 points yeah on size and it's it's asking that rhetorical question and then it goes into regular times new roman 10 points yeah. yeah um which is getting into the crux of the plot so so layout is key and reading other blurbs from successful authors also another key tip yeah i i, I agree i i think the last tip i'd give on this is it's it's worth getting like good I say that's a really bad sentence. Getting good at something, it's worth learning how to um, write a blurb, because let's say these questions come up all the time in these Facebook groups, and people will um, like bang the drum of it being so vitally important, and that's why they spend loads of money getting someone else to write their blurb, and me as our podcast, David is we're trying to just shine a light on indie publishing and you know how we go about stuff i yeah. think spending a lot of money on a blurb when it's something that you could you could research and and draft out yourself i would say is i i wouldn't think it's a good investment and when i've heard people say they've spent loads of money on blurbs 
I've never heard someone say, I spent £200 getting my blurb written for me. And it it transformed my, my sales. So yeah. I would say be careful of like falling into the trap of people telling you you need to spend money on get because there's people offering to do blurbs there's people offering to ch- they'll charge you loads of money to write your blurb for you and take that pressure off you yeah but i would say when we we bang the drum about getting a professional cover getting your book professionally edited i would steer clear of paying to get my blurb done because I think yeah. I think being an indie author gives you such control over your work that you could yeah. write a blurb, put it up, and give it a couple of weeks to test it. And if you don't think it's converting your sales based on, you know, we spoke about before the numbers that matter, like how many clicks you're getting and not converting into your sales, go yes. back, review your blurb, change it, and then try it again. Because if you're you getting if you're getting clicks to your book, your marketing's fine. Yes. If you're not getting sales, then you need to look at your cover and your blurb. And yes, exactly. covers cost money. Blurbs don't have to cost you money and you can change yeah. them within minutes. So I would yeah. say just keep that yeah. in mind. If you're struggling to write a blurb and you're thinking about spending loads of money on it, maybe just yeah. give yourself a bit more you know, put a bit more confidence on yourself to know your book better than someone else does. Yeah, it's another huge advantage of being independent is we can change our blurb every week if you mm-hmm. want to think, oh, this isn't working. I mean, whereas if you're with a publishing company, your blurb tends to stick and, and, and there's not many people going around championing, changing it or testing, testing, testing the blurb. Um, I'll just before we go, because we're, we're almost finished the talking point, but I did have I, I have a book called The Suicide Pact, which I think is a really good book. Um, but doesn't sell well because it's so hard to sell. Mm. Um, so I had I, I reached out to somebody, a blurb, professional blurb writer, to say, "Will you have a go at tackling this blurb? I can't, I can't sell this book as much as I'm selling Betsy, even though I think it's a better book than Betsy Blake because it's about two teenagers who make a pact that they're going to end their lives at midnight. It's a, it's a, it's a dark sell. It's another one of um, David's classic, no, you know, uplifting classic. books." <laughs> Um, so I reached out to this girl who was a professional book blurber um, who I found on one of our many groups that were on on Facebook Mm. and within about three days after saying okay yeah have a go at this blurb for me she had a blurb written and I said to her you can't have read the book that quick and she went oh no I haven't read the book (laughs) (laughs) and that's and that's the thing with these blurb writers, and I don't want to shit on people who write blurbs no. and who offer this as a service, but um, they're not reading the book, so they can't possibly know no. how to sell this story. And you, because you've worked on it and you've redrafted it and you've been on this novel for months, you know it better than anybody. So have a go with the blurb. Follow the tips that me and Robert have given you here today. And if you find that, as Robert said, you're getting clicks to the sales page, but then you're not converting, then there's something wrong with either your blurb or your book cover. Have another run at the blurb. You can change it as many times as you want. You're independent. You are in control. Okay, so now, Robert, it's time for the mailbag. And we do have a good question sent in from one of our listeners. But before I pose that question to you, Robert, don't you have an apology 
to offer to one of our listeners from last week's episode? I, I do. Um, last week, I read out a wonderful question um, from, I said, Eddie Yardley or Yardley, and I apologise for butchering the name. It turns out I did because... Uh, his name's Eddie Lancaster, so um, he's called me out on Facebook about it, um, and I just would like to extend my apologies because I have no idea how I came to a completely different surname. So um, apologies to Eddie, and a big thank you to him for his questions and for listening every week. So there we go. Yes, from from Lancaster to Yardley, and that yeah, that's that's a stretch. That's. <laughs> That's a misnote. I was frazzled. Um, you were frazzled. But this week's questions comes in from a listener who has posted a question before. Is that right, Rob? Yes, this is a question from Johnny Denham. Um, so he was one of the first um, questions sent in to us when we first started the podcast. And he asked two really, really good questions. So we took one of them and I actually thought his second question is quite pertinent to actually stuff we've spoken about today on the podcast around blurbs as well. So um, we're right. getting a bit of double denim. Double denim. Yeah. Look at you bringing out the ponds. <laughs> <laughs> at least I've got his name right this week. <laughs> yes, definitely have the name right. Yeah. Um, so what is this question? So the question he has posed to us is, how do you avoid your work from sounding similar to someone else's? For example, he has a fantasy idea and trying not to make it sound like a Lord of the Rings ripoff. Ah, uh, okay. Um, so interesting. Yeah, I I thought it was quite a good one to ask, especially when we've touched upon looking at other authors in your genre. Yeah. Around blurbs, we you know we said we don't say don't copy, but look at what they're doing because if an author is successfully selling books, it means that what they're doing is working so i look at it as i think it's impossible to be completely unique in regards to the i don't know the outline maybe of your stories it's it's it everything's going to have similarities um but you know the market is bigger than just one author in my mind so you know you don't have the market you know cornered on missing girl books i yeah. imagine there's hundreds of books about a girl going missing i don't yeah. have the action hero core market cornered that'd be lee child yeah. but yeah he doesn't have it cornered because there's multiple authors such as myself yeah you know, to varying levels of success who are making a career off of writing similar action heroes yes. so i think you need to get out of the idea of thinking, oh, this is going to be a Lord of the Rings ripoff. It's only a problem if, I don't know, say your book is 10 people from different I don't know, races come together to take a necklace to a burning mountain. Yeah. That, that's probably a bit too close to the bone. But I think yeah. if, if you're writing a book, you know, in the fantasy thing about people going on a quest, you know, that's... It's similar to Lord of the Rings, but I would say it's as long as it's got your voice, your characters, your own take on what a fantasy book should be. Yeah, you don't need to worry about it. Yeah, Game of Thrones exists alongside alongside Lord of the Rings. Not yeah, they're they're both unbelievably popular. Yeah, Um, and people are always going to throw shade at people 
I get so much abuse from people on my Facebook ad saying, you're a Lee Child knockoff. Uh, Jack Reach is much right. better than this. Uh, stop copying. And it's like, I know you haven't read my book. So yeah. it doesn't matter. So I'd say as long as you've got your own voice, you can exist alongside these books as opposed exactly. to feeling like you're a, a copy of it. Absolutely. And in this sort of genre, or in certain in, in multiple genres, there there are certain tropes that a reader is expecting. So yeah. the reader is is buying into your books, Johnny, um, because they have liked Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings. They will be expecting certain tropes. So don't be afraid or hesitant to give them those tropes through your novel. Um, but I mean, I guess the main tip I would give here is. Robert already mentioned it. You're going to be writing this in your voice, mm. so you have to find out your voice, uh, and that's going to be different to Tolkien's, obviously. Um, so, for example, yeah, Robert pushed on it there. My book, Betsy Blake, which I seem to be mentioning in this podcast an awful lot, um, <laughs> but that's as you say, that is a story of a missing girl. Now, there's been you said hundreds, probably thousands of books mm-hmm. with this sort of similar dilemma. It's gone on. A girl has gone missing. So I looked at that and thought, well, how can I tell a missing girl story? So I, I, um, I, for one, wasn't going to be telling it in third person omniscient, you know, from a point of view. So, so I took different points of view and I ran with it. So I took the point of view of this um, inexperienced private investigator, Lenny Moon. So you're seeing the story from his point of view. He's mm-hmm. telling you it in first person. Plus, we also delve into Betsy Blake herself. So I have this sort of four-year-old girl going missing, and I'm telling her story in her voice. And as the story goes on, she gets older. You know, she goes up to 21 towards the conclusion of the book. So it evolves that way. So I've the, the, there's nothing unique about a girl has gone missing and an investigator is going to try and find out what happened. But there is something unique in the approach, in the narrative voice that I chose to tell that story. So you might have a think, Johnny, about yeah, your your fantasy world is, is a story that's probably been told before, but your narrative can be told any way you want to. So, so find your voice and then nobody will relate you to Tolkien or Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones because you're going to have your own distinct way of, of approaching the story. Okay, you can tell you used to be a lecturer sometimes. I've got my lecturer head on me sometimes in this podcast, don't I? Yeah, but that was... that was to give out homework. Yeah, yeah, set some homework. (laughs) Uh, No, but thank you. So hopefully we've answered that question there. I think, I think it's it's one of those things that falls alongside stuff like imposter syndrome and things like that. I think I think this one is one of those mental blocks that stops people from even attempting to write their books. So I think as long as you can look at it and think, yeah, you know, there's space. There's just because there's a marketplace doesn't mean it's full. Exactly. Um, Johnny shouldn't think that him saying, oh, my book is a bit like Lord of the Rings is a bad thing. That's a very, very positive thing. That's a great elevator pitch. Absolutely. Because there's millions of people who like Lord of the Rings and they're already, that's going to pique their interest straight away. It's not going to put them off. authors. 
So it's now time for our seven questions, where each week we interview a fellow indie author and post to them the same seven questions with the aim of extracting knowledge from their brains and to hear another perspective on the world of self-publishing. This week, I am doing this solo. Um, unfortunately, David has um, had a few um, personal issues he's had to deal with. But I am pleased to say I am joined now by, and I'm going to say this correctly, Catherine Yaff. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> yes, got it right. How are you, Catherine? Yep. Thank you for joining me. I'm, I'm good. I'm good, Rob. Thank you. It's nice to be on. I've listened to every episode so far, so oh. you did a great job. Oh, thank, that's very nice of you. Um, I know you have. Um, I've seen you. You've asked a few questions before in the Facebook group, which is always appreciated because we're yeah. we're definitely trying to build up a like a nice community on there. Um, so it's much appreciated. Um, Catherine, before we dive into the questions, would you like to introduce yourself and your books to our listeners? Sure. Yeah, my name's Catherine Yaff. Um, I write uh, crime thrillers, nice. um, which have been described as an episode of Law and Order or Criminal Minds Ooh. by reviewers. Um, the first one came out in October 2020, and it's called The Lie She Told, which is about Kate, who has to escape to the Scottish Highlands Um to start a new life and there ensues somebody from her past who hunts her down um, and threatens her life um, and that of her son um, so will she um, stay behind stand by the lie that she told or risk the life of her son is the hook um, the second one is called The Web They Wove and uh, that is picks upon the character that's in the first book, the, the detective inspector who helps Kate, okay. um, and it follows his story as he comes back to Leeds, because I'm a Leeds girl, if you can't tell by the accent, um, and he has to hunt down a serial killer um, who is stalking um, a well-known area of Leeds outside the university. Um, and then the third in the series, when we receive, um, is coming out in March and we're staying with Ziggy, the, the, the detective from the first two books um, and I'm just in the process of editing that okay. and fingers crossed all being well <laughs> it should be out at the end of March but the developmental edit came back last week uh, let's just say there's a lot of work to do <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> um... well it, it was kind of written in fits and starts because mm. I, I I had breast cancer last year, so oh, wow. it was kind of written as the girls pumping chemotherapy into the back of my hand. Mm. And like, so when is book three out? I'm like, well, if you could just get this over with, then we'll be <laughs> we'll be good to go. So yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear, to hear that. I'm ah, no, I'm fine. Well, well done. My hair's back. I got the all clear a few weeks ago, so I'm good to go. <laughs> oh well, that's that's very that's massively inspiring. Well done, you. Um, I think what was really interesting there before we go in there is that you obviously wrote a like a crime thriller and then off the back of that you've been able to build a a series off of the detective mm. so was that was that your intention beforehand yeah. or no. no no absolutely not when i when i started writing the lie she told it was um like a whimsical love story um but my love of true crime and <laughs> all things gore and 
uh, death <laughs> worked their way in there and it became a crime thrower. And then I, I just, um, it was as I was finishing the lie she told, the detective just kind of said to me, I've got I've got more stories that I can tell you. Superb. So I was like, right, looks like we've got a series. That, that's that's so, superb. Yeah. That's brilliant. Especially for our listeners, like how how these things can just you know, they just come about like out of nowhere. You've yeah. you've had an idea for a, like you said, like a, a romance, like a love story, and it's that's yeah. developed into a into a ghastly crime detective series. So that's yeah. Um, yeah. that's wonderful. It's, that's the beauty of the creative process, I guess. Right, a hundred percent. You're in the hot seat, Catherine. Um, so yeah. question one. I think you probably know the questions, but question one. Are I do. you a full-time <laughs> author? <laughs> I am, yes. I um, was very fortunate in 2020 to be able to um, dedicate myself full-time mm. to writing. Um, I do have another business stroke hobby um, in that I'm a cat sitter. Um, right. So, um, but... I, my husband plays out because I'll often just say, oh, don't worry about paying me. I'll just look after your cat, don't worry, because I'm a bit of a cat, crazy cat lady. Um, <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so, so I do I do sit cats as well, and it, it actually works out over the summer months, the cats that in pairs for my Facebook advertising. So that kind of works. <laughs> I love that. That's, that's um, hustling. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but um and actually you're gonna love this then in january one of my regular cat sitters um one of my regular cats that i sit for um they moved to france last year I'm, i've got a week in france sitting their cat oh, <laughs> in the first week lovely. in january <laughs> very nice get in yeah. winning <laughs> yeah um <laughs> but it's a writing retreat oh yeah there you go we'll, we'll, we'll put it down as a as a, as a work expense <laughs> absolutely um, so so yes i do do full-time perfect yeah. um what, what's your what's your working week then like as a full-time author how do you how do you plot out your week it's so varied mm. so varied I, no two weeks are the same simply because um the cat sitting so if i've got bookings um i tend to get up and do them first thing and, and at tea time so then i've got the rest of the day um but I also look after my son has a dog called Milo, so I tend to look after him. Um, mm-hmm. My mum is in a care home, so I have to go see her a few times a week. So it's kind of I have to juggle a lot of personal stuff alongside writing. Yeah. But in theory, um, I start writing at about nine o'clock, work till half past 12, take mm-hmm. an hour where I go for a walk, uh, and then come back, review what I've written, do any edits that you know i feel need to be done and then i'll plan what the what i'm going to write for the next day so i aim to write about two and a half thousand words per day and i do that four days a week i take fridays off so um in theory it never works out as smoothly as that but in theory that's that's how my day works <laughs> yeah in, in theory it's a it's a nice structure but yeah like but, said, life gets in the way but it's, it's, it never works it's because... that way you have the freedom of being an indie author to to you know juggle those things yeah um yeah perfect segue there to juggling those things are you wide <laughs> and juggle multiple platforms or are you exclusive i'm exclusive mm-hmm. 
I I released a book uh, back in 2018, 2019. It was a non-fiction book. Um, I have a, a digital marketing background, okay. and it's called Digital Marketing Made Easy. And it was more of a lead magnet than anything else, but it was also kind of a bit of a, a test for me to see how... Um, how to get into Amazon, how to publish on Amazon, um, and how to take that to wider platforms. Um, So I went wide with that one, and it was a complete waste of time. Um, The only sales I did was through Amazon. Um, And I kind of made all my mistakes with that. Um, So when it came to writing the fiction, I knew from the word go that I wanted to go all in with Amazon, and that's what I've done. I've done that. I released the audio book of the lie she told at the beginning of God. When was that? Beginning of December, I think it was. Yeah, God, only a week ago. Um, and I've gone <laughs> exclusive. <laughs> I've gone exclusive on uh, with with Amazon Audible and um, iBooks on that as well. I just think they do so much work for you. Um, yeah. And, and um, I mean, uh, so as you know, like we we we're exclusive, David and myself, and um, we're yeah. finding a lot of a lot of indie authors are going exclusive. Um, obviously, ethically, you'd love to be wide, um, but I think yeah, I think what you've said there is quite a thing. Is that you made your mistakes, or you learned that through your nonfiction, um, mm. going going into your. Um, fiction. So obviously you're in Kindle Unlimited then, just yeah. out of interest, not not money wise, but just percentage wise. How how much of your like sort of income comes from page reads? It's quite high actually. It's about forty five percent. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, it's really high, and that surprised me. But I do do a lot of. Um, I do a lot of promotion with the free booksy and things like that, okay. um, where you can get it into the Kindle Unlimited and with Story Origin and Book Funnel. Um, so that, that's where a lot of the page reads come from. But the read through rate is really good as well, mm. um, which I kind of rely on. I rely on that. Yeah. Um, my read through is what gives me my salary. So, um, yeah. I know you're there. Okay, perfect. Um, question number three for you name yeah. the one service oh. you as an indie author could not do without so i've been thinking about this and i think it's probably scrivener okay which is the writing platform because i i i have an absolute detest word i just hate it <laughs> um so just the thought of it makes me shiver um and i, I kind of i used google docs and i kind of mess around with quite a few different apps and then um i did i, I stumbled literally across uh, across scrivener uh, and just fell in love with it and because they've got the templates and i, I use the save the cat template um and then very recently i discovered plotter as well mm-hmm. um which I hadn't done before because I tend to write uh, pants a bit of the seat of the pants girl, right? As just make it up as I go along. Um, and I discovered Plotter. So when I got the developmental edit back, 
for the third one, I was kind of like, right, okay, let's let's start this again. Let's use some proper tools now and get professional. Um, and I used Plotter, and it just everything fell into place. It just made so much more sense. Um, so Scrivener, I think, and Plotter is a very close second. Oh wow! Uh, I know David swears by Scrivener. I'm a dirty Microsoft oh. Word man myself. Yeah, um, David. <laughs> David. Uh, David by Scrivener, and I think a few of our other guests have, have mentioned Scrivener as well. Um, yeah, I believe David yeah. mentioned Plotter to me recently as well. So that'd be an interesting one, especially after what you said there. It'd be an interesting one for us to have a look into. Um, I think. So yeah, they... what what I really like about sorry. What, what I really like about Plotter is because you can because I tend to write quite complex um, psychological thrillers I'll have like two or three different strands going at the same time and you can have the different plot lines um, and then I have a little line called easter eggs so it's, it's just like the little clues that I'm dropping for the reader as I go along so I can see them laid out in front of me now why I've never thought to do that before I don't know so it's like a revelation <laughs> I don't have post-it notes all around my laptop now <laughs> I've got it all it's a bit, bit neater. <laughs> a tidy desk yeah. is a useful desk. <laughs> um, it, it makes it look like I know what I'm doing when in actual fact I don't. <laughs> uh, none of us do. Um, I mean, this will be something that you will know about based on your background. Um, and this is David's. Mm. David loves this question when we ask authors this. Um, so I'll channel yeah. my own David. I won't, do, I won't do the accent because it'll be offensive. Yeah. Um, but how do you market your books? So I've had a very interesting year um, mm. marketing wise, and I'm actually I'm going to write a blog post about it. Um, I've, I've spent the year testing and measuring, so I knew at the start of this year my my goal. I knew I was going to be disrupted along the twelve months because I was still having treatment up until the end of April. Yeah. So. Um, I knew I was going to be disrupted, so I thought, well, the one thing I can do is build my email list. And as a marketer uh, with a digital marketing background, a former agency owner, I know that building your email list is absolutely crucial because it's uh, it's where the majority of my sales come from. Mm-hmm. So at the start of this year, I think I had about 1,000 subscribers um, or less than 1,000 subscribers. And... I started using things such as, like I say, Story Origin, Book Funnel to get those newsletter swaps in. Um, and it, it kind of worked month on month. So that was what I would call kind of a piecemeal. That was the bread and butter for building my yeah. email list. And then uh, it was about April, May time, I started doing Facebook advertising with a free download, which was Ziggy's kind of backstory. Um, and I was only spending, I think it was £5 a day, but I was getting mm-hmm. maybe 100 leads a week, which were again Lovely. calling into onto my mailing list and then going through the funnel. And I could see, again, I could see the page reads going up. There were sales as well, but it was the page reads that were going up as my email list was growing. And then once they'd gone through a welcome sequence, they dropped onto my main mailing list, which I send once a month. Um, And the unsubscribe rate is very low. The click-through rate has got higher. Um, 
so I've kind of just focused on building that as the year's gone on. And then what I tend to do is I survey my readers and that the email subscribers twice a year. So in, like I say, April, May time, just before I'd started doing the Facebook advertising, I sent a survey mm-hmm. out. What do you like about the newsletter? What don't you like? What do you want to see more of? What do you want to see less of? Um and the overriding thing was they wanted to know more about me, yeah. about my writing journey, and they wanted more of the book swaps, so the, the, the book funnel and the, far, the story origin. They wanted more of those, including. Oh, wow. So as a result, yeah, I know, right? So as a result, I've actually split my newsletter in two. So there's one now that goes out on the first of the month, which is all about what I've been up to. And then there's the one that goes out in the middle of the month, which is just literally giveaways or discounted books or Kindle Unlimited, you know, books that are out there. Um, And... Again, subscribe rate, gone through the roof, click through rate is round about fifty percent. Oh wow, that's good. Um, yeah, and then and then um using that audience because that's an audience who I know want to connect with me and, and interact with me. Mm-hmm. I've now increased my number of advanced reader team. Um, my reviews are coming through. So it's it's been a nurturing process. Um, You've sort of built, you know, you've built carry that on, base, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. That, and that was the thing, really. I think when I, when I first started in 2020, I was kind of frustrated because I, I could see – uh, you know, I had you know I could see the big shiny star in the future. You know, the orange flag, the bestseller tag that we all we all uh, you know we all want for. But it was my husband that turned around and said, "You've just released a book. Nobody knows who the hell you are." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Right, we need to change that." <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so yeah, just uh, so so some so my marketing strategy really is to is is to layer. So there's there's the awareness, so people get to know who you are, get to know your name. So by doing like podcasts, guest blog posts, writing mm-hmm. articles on things to do with indie authors. So that's that's kind of the layering process, and then through the email marketing, getting them to sign up, taking them through the the funnel process of um, building know, like, and trust, and then mm-hmm. fingers crossed, we'll see how effective it's been when the book launches in March. <laughs> Because <laughs> well, it will be the first one with all these wonderful new subscribers. So we'll see. <laughs> so, so I'll tell you, I will I will ask you to, to let us know how your book launch yeah. goes in, in the Facebook group. <laughs> um, but also to link to your blog in our Facebook group. Because um, yeah. I think um, if you're going to put a post up about this stuff, um, this stuff is gold because you are a marketing expert. And what you were just saying then was... I, I understand I've been doing a lot of marketing stuff for quite a few years now, but the the stuff you're talking about, the process you're going through, I said it's a foundation that once you've put it in place and then you're mm. just almost just like watering it and letting it grow, it starts snowballing and snowballing and snowballing and you don't even yeah. need to worry about it. So that's a fantastic yeah. answer. Thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> um, so qu- question five. Um, what's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew Ooh. from the outset? That you have to treat it like a business. Mm. The idea of 
been, I mean, I've got, I'm, I'm in my living room today, but I've got a, a lovely little writing shed. It's called the Shed of Words, um, which my dad <laughs> gifted to me about 10 years ago. He had much more faith in my abilities than I ever did. Um, but my husband is working in there today. Um, okay. So he's on a very noisy call, which is why I've been delegated to the living room. But anyway, um, so I had these <laughs> wonderful daydreams of me sat in my writing shed with, you know, candles burning and gentle music playing whilst I just turned out another masterpiece that would become an instant Sunday Times bestseller and <laughs> I would have fans all over the world and there would be music and, and movie rights and plays written about not just the book but about me. Nah, it's all <laughs> bullshit. Um, it's, it's, it's hard work. It's um, a lot to take on and you, you're not just an author, you're a business owner. Now, I, I've had my own business since I was about you know, in my early 30s. I'm now 51. So I'm used to running, a, you know, doing accounts and things like that. Um, but I didn't expect to have to do it. I don't know what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> I don't know if I thought some magic book fairy was going to come from somewhere and do all the self-assessments and all my marketing and blog posts and, um, you know, but you have to be, you have to have the head of it, you know, you have to be prepared to go into it as a business and also to be prepared to invest as well. You don't need massive amounts, but invest in, and I think you guys have covered this before, mm. investing in good covers and an editor um, are absolutely essentials. I think they're things that you can't, you can't cut corners on stuff like that. It's uh, because at the end of the day, it, it, you're a brand. Um, yeah. And yeah, you know, you, you've got to put that as much brand consideration into your books and how you present as, you know, you would if you were a multi-conglomerate. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's, yeah, I think that's, that. yeah, I don't know what I thought was going to happen, to be fair, Rob. I thought maybe I would just write books and somebody else would do it, but it didn't work that way. <laughs> but I think that's, I think that's, that's, that's probably what turned a lot of people off when they say they've got to do it themselves is they'll, mm. they'll go that route because i mean it was a harsh learning curve for me um when all the stuff I had to juggle you know started to juggle when obviously i wasn't doing it for a living i had a full-time job and a young mm. kid like i i you know i struggled for time but that's um spot on and obviously what you've just said just echoes pretty much everything david and i say about treating it like a business because as mm. you know the wonderful fantasy you had of being in your shed of words yeah you know, you've had a big <laughs> yeah. dose of reality I mean, you're doing it for a living which is the dream but the dose of yeah. reality is is you know you have to look at some spreadsheets you're gonna have to do some taxes you're gonna have to do this stuff so um yeah 100 percent. and yeah it's and i i think i'd like to get to a stage where i think um David was saying recently he's managed to outsource some of his stuff. I think his Facebook mm. ads or Facebook marketing, he was saying he's managed to outsource some of that. I mean, that is a dream for me. That is why I want to, this time next year, I want to be in that position. Um, but I need to start making money from my books first. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you're, with the stuff you've got in place, your next launch will be will be very fruitful. Um, we just yeah, spoke yeah, about... <laughs> we, we we just spoke about the um you know some of the stuff we had to do um which we don't like to do but number six question six we're nearly done mm. is what's the biggest frustration for you as an indie author 
Now, do you know, this is probably going to sound a bit odd. I don't know. It's, oh, God, event promoters. Okay. Really frustrating. So being on panels and stuff like that. Now, I will just say with a bit of um, I, I, I was in bloody Scotland. I, get, I did get to do a, a spotlight in bloody Scotland because they oh, wow. took, I think it was 20 indie authors who could read a chapter of their book before the main event, which was wonderful. Um, but okay. the amount of times, uh, you know, I, I went to a lot of book events this year and the amount of times I found the organizer and says, right, do you have an indie panel, an indie author panel? Oh, no. And it was... There was no disguising of the fact that, no, we don't have an indie panel. Or, I'm really sorry, it's something we're considering. Or It was like, oh, no. Yeah, oh, so, no, we, don't, we only have proper authors here. <laughs> precisely. And I didn't want to say that. And um, I just find that really frustrating because I think, do you know, I, I, and I hear this echoed in, in, in your podcast, and I don't think it's going to be long before a big-named author... <laughs> I'm not going to say any name, but a big name author walks away from a publishing house and says, I'm going to do it on my own. Yeah. Because I think oh, all the tools and the capabilities are there. And I think as soon as somebody does that, as soon as one big name does it, Richard Osman, let's just say that, for example. So as soon as somebody does that, the view of independent authors will do three things. But people will just be like, oh, right, yeah, no, indie author, that's the thing to do, that's the thing to be. And I, I think we're on the very verge of getting that now. And yeah. um, all these event organisers that haven't had us indies on in the past will be kicking themselves because we'll not that I'll say no, but <laughs> yeah. I just I just find it really frustrating. I mean, like, you know, I, I spoke to my local library last week and I said, you know, there's um, the Crime Writers Association do a thing every June called um, Crime Readers Month. And I approached them and said, you know, there's, I know there's a few people in Yorkshire, a few crime writers in Yorkshire would be interested in running an event. Yes, they said, absolutely. Just tell us what publishing house you were. Like, well, no, we're independent. Mm, yeah, well, I'm not sure. But my books are available. I've had borrows from this library. Yeah. I can see it. <laughs> um, it's, 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 so, yeah, that, that's my frustration. It's just an old view on on how books should be and it's 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 the same like mm. indian trad publishing it'll be the same as ebook and paperback it'll, it'll always be one that i think just goes back and forth back and forth um right you've made it to the end Catherine. i've got my final question for you <laughs> question seven um what's the one piece of advice you would pass on to our listeners be persistent in everything so yes. yes you do you're going to do a messy first draft and nobody needs to see it but you yes you're going to start with no email subscribers that doesn't matter nobody needs to know that um you're not going to be well known it doesn't matter get out there and ne network with people network with other authors the writing community the author community is the friendliest place i've ever mm -hmm. worked you know ever had the privilege of knowing um and be persistent just keep knocking on those doors just keep saying hello you know i've got a book out don't be afraid to sell yourself um and it will pay back it will pay back um 
yeah, so I think I was kind of off the scene for the back end of last year, the beginning of this year for various reasons. But when I kind of popped my head back up and it was in Harrogate, actually, in the Theakston Crime Festival in Harrogate, yeah. and um, a book reviewer called Donna Moffat, um kind of we'd only ever met online but she saw me in one end of the tent and came straight over and then just literally dragged me around every this is Kat Yaff you you remember Kat Yaff you've seen her on Facebook you've done now there was absolutely no need for her to do that but every every single person I met were like yeah you know we've read your books or we've heard about you or you know this that and the other and it was so supportive and there was so much love out there yeah and it was just because I, I continually just kept posting and popping into groups when I could and into Twitter and um, I kept my email going even if I didn't have very much to say and it was that it was just that persistence mm-hmm. um, so yeah yeah that would be my biggest piece of advice. It's, it's an excellent yeah. piece of advice. Thank you so much for that. I, I um, I echo that. I'm a, I'm a persistent little git at times. So, uh, um, I think it's, it's a yeah. wonderful piece of advice. And that is a wonderful interview. You're done. You've well, survived. You've survived. That was easy. <laughs> well, because you had me. I'm a pushover. If you had David here, it'd be, he's he's the authoritative. He's the he's the parent. <laughs> In the, of the two of us um so no thank you very much those answers have been fantastic the insights you gave on email marketing i think will really connect well with our listeners um i i'd love for you to post your blog into our facebook group yeah um because that'd be a I fascinating will. read um but yeah bef- before i go um Catherine, before we let you go um where can people find you on on social media if they want to connect with you yeah, just if you just search uh, Catherine Yaff at Catherine Yaff is my Twitter, my Instagram, meeting on that TikTok thing, <laughs> um, <laughs> making a fool of myself. Um, yeah, and my website is CatherineYaff.co.uk. Um, and my name is so unusual if you just Google me on, uh, just type me into Amazon, my books pop up. And your first book <laughs> of your series uh, for your, Zig- your Ziggy Thorne, yeah. Ziggy Thorne, isn't it? I think they're detective. Yeah, the that's right, yeah. The first book is, if people want to check it out. The Lie She Told. So it's The Lie She Told. Um, and then the second one is The Web They Wove. And the third one is When We Deceive. Fantastic. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for joining us um, on the podcast. We massively appreciate it. Thank you for having me and keep up the great work. So another seven questions, Robert. And yet again, I'm getting bored of saying this every week now. Another lovely independent author. Well, it's such a lovely community, isn't it? Um, it is. It really is. It, I, you know, I adore being part of it. And I, I genuinely adore having that section on this podcast um not only because it you know it it expands the um community but it's just so fascinating to listen to how people approach doing this because we've had we've had guests who are so similar to us we've had guests who are so different to us so it's just always i just think it's always wonderful just to hear how they do it and and like i said catherine's it was so lovely and it was such a it was a pleasure to to speak to her it really was yeah 
Yeah, I'm sorry I couldn't be there to talk to Catherine with my my rushing of flights. Um, but it, what's really interesting is we assume yeah, people would assume that if we're asking the same seven questions to authors every week, that we're just going to get similar answers. But we just never do. I know everybody is just approaching it differently, yeah. uniquely. It's perfect. It's wonderful. Um, but yeah, so David, that's okay. That's that's another show done. Um, Another one down. Number nine down. Number nine. We're rushing head on towards Christmas. Um, yes. I'm going to ask you before we go uh, what you got planned for the week, but I think I know uh, as your book launches tomorrow. Um, yes. What else you got planned? I'm flying home tomorrow. Oh, right. Um, back to Birmingham, so I'll miss the sort of buzz of the lunch. Um, and then I will oh i'll be feeding I, I there'll be a lot of teasing going out sort right. of for the launch to through social media and email my, my email list is, is kind of vital to to selling the book so um i'll, I'll really be working on that i'm not going to work on anything new mm. until after the christmas in terms of of, of starting stuff up um i am a lot I'm, I'm loving this podcast so that's um <laughs> Something I, I really want to dig my nails into in the new year. And me and Rob are gonna we're gonna have a, a big meeting, aren't we? And and we, we've never met each other in person actually, so that's going to happen in the new year. And we're going to discuss how we can get this podcast into as many ears as possible. So that's going to be my first sort of instinct now. When when the, after this book is launched, and um, what are you doing over the next week? I am going to finish the first draft of my latest book. Um, nice. deadline is next Friday I've got a good few days where it's just clear I have nothing in um, so I've just got time to write and um, as I always say I love the back end of my books because it just builds and builds and builds into a yeah into a big crescendo so looking forward yes. to doing that um, personally I have um, my daughter's first ever ballet show tomorrow to go to oh, yes so i imagine i'll probably be an emotional wreck um yeah. but yeah that's about it really uh because on the wind oh and i have to finish the christmas present for our listeners we're leaving with that and that's a nice little taste oh yes I've, got a nice a nice I've grown my beard nice and long i'm like a young santa so um I'm... we probably should have called the two bearded authors at this stage the podcast <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know how long i'm going to keep it for but anyway right that's that's a different that's a different uh conundrum we would have been have. hooked into having beards for the rest of our lives <laughs> if you had all the two bearded authors i know <laughs> um great and then we and then how long are you going to take off then for christmas we're going to do one more podcast before christmas right yeah i think we'll we'll do next week and then i think we'll come back early in the ne- in the new year and then i'll go have a look yeah. at what my schedule looks like regarding writing because i've yeah, got a few other things really- to do yeah, we really want to push the podcast in the new year. And and essentially what we're trying to create with the podcast is a sense of community where we can all help and support our fellow indie authors. So do check out our Facebook page, Two Indie Authors, and don't hold back any questions you have that you may be struggling with about your indie author career. Ask me and Rob. We are more than happy to tackle them on this podcast. Absolutely. And also, we've had a few this week. We've had some lovely messages from our listeners um, who have reached out to tell us that they found some like nuggets of wisdom or have really enjoyed the podcast. So um, for us, that's really lovely. It lets us know we're on the right track. But it's also really nice to know that 
um the the mission that we sort of had when we set out to do this is is hopefully landing with people so um thank you guys so much for letting us know that um david if people want to uh find you on social media or anywhere where can they find you yeah, I'm David B. Lyons on most social media, Twitter, Facebook, is which I'm more active on. But if you want to hit up my website, theopenauthor.com, you can see what I'm offering up to try and help you out there. And I'm available for you to email me or get in touch in any way. Uh, what about you, Rob? Um, I'm just Robert Enright. Um, I'm mainly on Facebook and Instagram. I, I tend to stay away from Twitter because I think it's it's accessible of negativity yeah. um but i also have my website which is www.robertenright.co.uk um david have a safe journey back have a tremendous book launch um thank you very much chief and we'll thank send our thanks to Catherine for joining me for the seven questions to johnny for our question and to all of our listeners thank you very much and you've been listening to Oh, 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 oh,